Hello and welcome. My name is Dr. Kenitra Bryant, and today's motivational aim targets let it play out. I want to thank you all for listening and sharing this 38 part podcast series entitled God, Me, and the Dissertation. So far, I've gone over some tips on getting through the dissertation phase, really just staying committed to the God-honoring goals you set in the midst of adversity, challenges, and mess. But I encourage those who have not listened to parts 1 through 12 to take some time to catch up on those episodes and share them with someone you believe will benefit from listening in. The motivational aim, let it play out, is an eye-opening motivational aim that many people, when they get to the point where they are just truly trusting God and casting their cares on God, when they really let things play out, they see clearly how God is working all things together for their good. When a person takes the time to read God's word and they listen to God's word, they'll discover a lot of events that transpire or took place. When a person was rushing to do something, whether it was taking something from somebody or getting ahead of God or getting ahead of leadership, when things played out, one discovered how God orchestrated events for the good of those who love him and how the individuals who did these wicked things, they experienced the consequences of their actions. So it's one event that took place, but something works out for someone, and then something does not work out for someone. The pit that they dug, they fall into it if it's something negative. And some of you, I believe, you can identify with that type of scenario. Where you went through something, let's say somebody was in a rush to take something from you, and they did everything in their power to make sure you didn't get something that they wanted. It could have been an individual or a group of people. Their aim was to take from you. They didn't care how they had to get it. It didn't matter if they had to steal it away, seduce it away, scam it away, smear it away, swear it away, shame it away, slap it away, stomp it away, scheme or even shade it away. Whoever this enemy of yours was, they were trying to take from you would belong to you. And what most often happens is it backfires on them in the worst unexpected way. Because when people acquire or they do all these things to cause conflict and confusion to acquire ill-gotten gain, it's never a gain. It's really a temporary allusion to a complicated host of detailed, horrendous, drawn-out realities. And as you've probably heard me say before, when I've referenced the Word of God, everybody reaps what they've sown. Everybody. It might come quickly. It might come later on. But the fruit will be the proof of what seeds people are sowing or they've sown. Galatians, the sixth chapter in the seventh verse states, 
Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. God has everything set up in this way. Seed, time, and harvest. What you sow, what I sow, time will tell and show what we've been doing, what we've been sowing. Because the harvest will appear. There's no escaping that. The harvest of what you've sown will appear in every area and aspect of a person's life. It's happening. That's how God has this thing set up. So let's look at a few examples in God's word where somebody rushed to do something to get ahead of God. And to get something the wrong way, and it backfired on them. There are several stories in God's word about this, but I just want to target in on one, okay? And sometimes we do have to allow things to play out, even when people are plotting against us. Even when they are over there sharpening their weapons, forming their weapons, We have to let things play out because God's word is true concerning you. He lets us know in Proverbs, the 26th chapter and the 27th verse, that whoever digs a pit will fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. In Isaiah, the 54th chapter, in the 17th verse, it states, No weapon... Formed against you shall prosper, and you will refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. Those are two power-packed promises from the divine promise prover, letting us know that people might plot against you, but they will not prevail. Even if they walk off with what belonged to you, and they're smiling in your face, They are skinning and grinning. They're laughing at you. Or let's say they're not even that bold. They're trying to keep it as if it's a secret. It doesn't matter. That's a pit that they are about to fall into. And it's a stone that will roll back on them. I've seen it happen in my life several times. And I believe you've experienced this, where somebody dug a pit for you and they fell into the pit. When you allowed God to work it out and you allowed it to play out, trusting that God would take care of it. But as I said just a minute ago or a second ago, I've seen it happen in my life professionally, academically, relationally, and financially, even socially. But in every area, in every area, it doesn't matter when it happened, how it happened, how long it went on, it backfired on the instigator, the taker, the fraudster, the relative, the people who claimed to be somebody's friend, whatever group was a part of it, in the professional environment, wherever it was, And whoever it was with, it always backfired on them. 
But in 2 Kings, the fifth chapter, I encourage you to read that passage of scripture in its entirety. There was a man who had a severe skin disease, and he was a professional. He had status. He was wealthy. He was well-known. His name was Naaman. Naaman went to speak to the man of God, Elisha, about assisting in his deliverance because he had this skin disease. Elisha's servant, the man of God, who Naaman went to, he had a servant named Gehazi. Now, when Naaman went to Elisha, he, of course, was delivered from his skin disease. But after he experienced this breakthrough in his life, he wanted to give Elisha, the man of God, some gifts. He tried to give him some clothes, some money, all types of stuff. But Elisha turned it down. Naaman was just trying to show his appreciation for what the man of God did for him. Elisha refused the gifts, but he still blesses Naaman. And he tells him to go ahead and just travel back home. Now, as that interaction was going on between Elisha and Naaman, Gehazi, Elisha's servant, is just watching like, man, this man tried to give him this money, some luxury designer clothes, some nice things, and he turned it down. And Gehazi says to himself, man, Elisha, my boss, he was too easy on this man. He should have took from this man. He should have took that money. should have took those clothes. You know what he could have did with that money? He should have accepted everything that man tried to give him. (laughs) As surely as the Lord lives, I'm about to go run after this man and get this money. Gehazi runs after Naaman, hurries after Naaman. Naaman saw him, asked him, was everything all right? Gehazi lets him know, yeah, 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 everything's all right. But yeah, my master, Elisha. You know, he sent me to you because there are two young men in the Young Prophets program that we are part of. They just arrived, and and Elisha wants some clothes for them. So, I mean, if you have some clothes that you can donate, just give to the young brothers. Only if you could, though, only if you could. I mean, Elisha said something about some clothes and you, and he told me to come see But I just wanted to know if you had it, because I wasn't sure, you know, if you could just help us out. Because the young brothers, you know, they've traveled a mighty long way, and they just need some clothes. And, I mean, it would be nice if they just had a little money, but I'm going to go ask somebody else for the money. And name is like, no, 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 man, I have it. No, take clothes right here. Take it, man, take it. Everything that Elijah did for me. I just want to give back. Gehazi says, oh, man, you, man, thank you, man. Gr- this is great. This is, this is phenomenal, man. This will really help the young brothers in the Young Prophets program. Wow. All right, thank you. Thank you so much. So they both part ways. And Gehazi tells his two servants who were with him, to take those two duffel bags of cash and those clothes to a pit stop and to wait there. Gehazi lets the boys know, hey, don't, don't touch nothing. And don't tell anybody where you've been. 
I'll meet you at the house. Stand there. Don't move until I come. Stand in the backyard, too. Out of sight. Gehazi meets the young man, takes the money and the clothes and tells the two servants, all right, scram, skedaddle, get out of here. I don't need you anymore for the day. And they left. Gehazi goes back to his boss, Elisha, and Elisha asks Gehazi, where have you been? He responds, boss, what are you talking about? I haven't gone anywhere. Elisha tells him or lets him know, was not my spirit with you when the man got down from his chariot to meet you? Is this the time to take money and accept clothes or olive groves and vineyards or flocks and herds or male and female servants? Now, when you read the passage of scripture on your own, you'll see Gehazi asks for money and clothes. Elisha started talking about olive groves, vineyards, property, flocks, herds, male and female servants. And I believe Elijah had the wisdom, understanding, discernment, and revelation, as well as insight to see what Gehazi was planning to do with that money, what he wanted to acquire with that ill-gotten gain. I believe that's why he called him out. In Numbers, the 32nd chapter in the 23rd verse states, Be sure your sin will find you out. And it looks like that's what happened in that passage of scripture. Gehazi's sin was found out. Then Elisha let Gehazi know, you did all of that. All of that. And I watched you. And I let this thing play itself out. I let it play out to see your motive, what your actions were, what actions you take, who you would use, how you would lie on me. I let it all play out. But since you played out this plot, the skin disease that the man you took those things from and lied to, the skin disease he suffered from, for several years, every aspect of that skin disease, that ailment, that impediment, it will cling to you and to your descendants forever. Then Gehazi leaves from Elijah's presence and his skin was leprous. It became as white as snow. You see how Gehazi was so fixated on obtaining ill-gotten gain? he realized that it wasn't gain because that money he took along with those clothes, those items all came with something. They were in direct communication and association with someone who had problems. That money that Gehazi took from Naaman, that money saw Naaman's problems. Those clothes touched his problems all of the time. Those clothes went with him in his problems, in his despair, in his ailment, in his skin disease. Those clothes were there. Those clothes had first-hand knowledge 
if those clothes had a brain and a mouth, I believe those clothes would have been yelling and screaming at Gehazi, saying, hey, Matt, don't, you don't want this. Don't, you don't want this. We've touched places in this man's life that you should not go near. You don't want this, man. Those clothes had a story. They were probably hollering, hollering to Gehazi, you don't want us. You don't know what we come with. We have some things embedded on the inside of us that only God can make clean. God cleaned Naaman. We were not washed to cleanse. You don't want us. We've seen what this man went through in life. You don't want to wear us. You don't want to put us down. We might look desirable, but this ain't what you want, man. This, this ain't it. Because once you get with us, there is a cost associated with having us. What if the money, just using my imagination, what if the money was screaming the very same thing too? But does that sound familiar? Whether you've gone through it on both sides of the spectrum, whether you were the one rushing to obtain and acquire ill-gotten gain, or somebody was rushing in front of you hoping to show you they have something too and they acquired something illegally. And they found out that what they got was not what they wanted. And it doesn't have to be something materialistic. It could be a position somebody took. A relationship somebody messed up, jumped into. Then they find out, man, I thought I wanted to wear this. I thought I wanted to spend this. I thought I wanted to invest and deposit this. This is a nightmare. This is a complete nightmare. This is not what I want, even though I thought it's what I wanted. And I did all of these things to go get it. And I had everything that I needed right before me. If only they let things play out the right way, where would they be? The one who rushed and did things the wrong way, they're probably thinking, man, if only I let things play out the right way, I would have been okay. Now, for the one who allows the things to play out, when people form these weapons against them and dig these pits for them to fall into and roll these stones hoping to crush them, when they let things play out, they're able to watch God's word show itself strong in their life. And when they allow it to play out, trusting God, they'll see God is not playing about them. God's really got them covered. Everything is working together for their good. Going back to the story of Gehazi and Elisha. Elisha knew what that stuff, that money and those clothes came with. But he had to let it play out. And let's think about Gehazi's servants, the two men he used to carry that stuff. Now, we don't read anywhere in Scripture where they were leprous and they touched it. They touched that man's stuff. But it's also showing us the motive behind when people do things, there are consequences associated with it. Gehazi's servants 
carried the stuff. Gehazi snatched it away, told them to scram, get out of here. And they could have thought, man, this old ungrateful cuss, he used us to get the stuff but couldn't give us a dime for our services in this production we just put on. But they had to let it play out too. And when they came to work and saw that their boss had this skin disease, what if they were saying, oh, thank you, Lord, that it didn't work out for me. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that I let it play out. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not going through. Thank you, Jesus. You ever been in a situation like that? As I said previously, I've been in several. But I have a story to share as it relates to the dissertation phase. And I'm about to share it. Now, this is a FYI for your information. The stories that I'm sharing and the experiences that I'm sharing, they are not in chronological order. They're shared in the time frame between 2010 to 2014. It's not presented in a day-by-day fashion, okay? My first dissertation chair, as I told y'all, we were in a cohort, He set up everyone's dissertation committee. Some of us shared committee members. But one day, we were in a meeting as a group. The dissertation chair says there are two committee members who are professors on campus. One is a grammarian. The other is a researcher. The dissertation chair tells everyone in the cohort, whoever finishes their abstract In prospectus, by this date, the date that he set, he stated that he would appoint two students to that grammarian and the researcher. So, in a nutshell, two students would have the grammarian and the researcher on their committee. And it would be a benefit for them because the grammarian would be able to edit their paper as they went through the dissertation phase, and the researcher would assist them in their research, giving them tips firsthand. He was still in the process of getting our committee together, so he was just telling us what was going on. I remember being at the table thinking, well, I'm done. I've already finished my abstract. I've already completed my prospectus. I've already gone over it with the dissertation chair, so I'm straight. I'm cool. I'm, I'm about to get this grammarian and this researcher. They're about to be on my committee because I'm done. And I didn't even think twice about it. I was like, okay, I got the chair, have the grammarian, I have the researcher. So I'm one of the two. Now, I don't know what happened, but something happened where the dissertation chair had select students in the cohort present their prospectus in their abstract before the class on this certain day. It was me, along with the DDT group, the Dissertation Desperado Trio, triad, whatever I said. So all four of us presented our abstract and prospectus in front of the chair and the other members of the cohort. 
and the chair tells me after it's all over, because he's giving feedback. Sidebar, everybody in the class had a nickname. He gave everybody in the class a nickname. My nickname was Princess. He was going off of my email address that I used to converse back and forth with him and my classmates. And it's the same email I still use. And that was my very first email address. So it has Princess in it. So he called me Princess, and that could be some of the reason why they didn't like me. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm a princess, the daughter of the Most High King, Most High God. Those listening, y'all listening, y'all are princesses and princes. So let them be mad. But anyway, the chair says, Princess, you will need to work on a few things. You aren't ready. Now, I was shocked. And I'm thinking, now, you just told me. You just told me in this meeting that I had with you that I was moving forward. He just told me that. That's why I was just so confident that, oh, I'm moving forward. Because he told me that he was getting my committee members together. But he tells me, oh, you're not ready. So I'm sitting there like, what? Not ready. And then he says to the DDT group, yeah, y'all did a good job. And I want to let y'all know that y'all are moving forward. But only two of you get the grammarian and the researcher. He calls the two women by their nickname and lets them know the grammarian and the researcher will be on their dissertation committee. Now, the original dissertation desperado, he didn't get the grammarian, but he did get the researcher because the chair asked the researcher if he would accept him. Some kind of accommodation was made and he was able to move forward with him. Then the chair tells me, along with the rest of the students in the cohort, yeah, y'all will need to go find an outside grammarian. And as far as the research goes, of course, everybody's doing that themselves, but the researcher and the grammarian go to these two. Now, I heard that and I thought, okay. So I concluded that these three, just in my mind, I'm thinking, they must have went to the professor and whined and cried and manipulated and bothered him so that they could get the grammarian and the researcher. Because two out of the three... That is all they did. They whined, they cried, they manipulated people to get what they wanted. So you can see how it was set up. It was set up to make it look like everybody's presenting something as if it's an audition. But it really was a performance, a stage performance with a plot. Now, when the chair announced that... Two of the members of the DDT got the grammarian and the researcher. They were so proud and so happy. Other members of the cohort, oh, congratulations. Oh, my gosh. Such a great achievement. So then we fast forward. I'm on the hunt now for a grammarian. The chair advises me, yeah, you should go talk to the grammarian that the two other members of the cohort got. 
Go talk to him and see if he'll just review your paper and edit your dissertation as you're progressing. Here's his information. Just go talk to him. So I get the information. I go on campus, walk to the building where he is a professor, and I ask to speak to Dr. Grammarian. He sees me, asks me what my visit was about, and as he's talking to me, he's moving. Okay, we started off in one area, but he got to the point he was moving, walking. He had two leather book bags with him, and there were papers coming out of those book bags, messenger bag type. Papers were coming out. Papers were in his hand. Papers were falling out of the bag. He appeared to be in this rush, this rushed state. He looked bothered and busy. And he was trying to get me to hurry up to finish talking so he could do whatever he was doing. And he's letting me know, yeah, 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 uh, how can I help you? Yeah, I mean, and I said, yeah, my chair told me to, or advised me to come speak to you to see if you would be able to serve as my grammarian for my dissertation. Of course, you're not on my committee, but I just want to know if you would consider editing my paper as I progress through this phase. He stopped moving, and he took a deep breath, and he scrunched up his face, he shook his head, and said, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on, but I, I have a lot going on. I have a course load. I'm teaching, I have a lot going on right now. I'm not sure about that. I mean, I'm as overwhelmed as it is. When he said that, that's all I needed to hear and apparently see. So when he said that, I said, okay. And I walked away. I prayed. And then when I went to go meet the chair, he asked me, did you talk to the grammarian? I said, yeah, I did. He said, no, he's busy. So he says, oh, okay. Looks like you're going to have to go find your own grammarian, outside grammarian from a different university, or if you can find one on campus, that'll be great, but you'll have to go find your own grammarian. And that was great for me, praise God, because I was able to find a dynamic grammarian, okay? So that's how that played out. So fast forward two months from the fake audition when the two women got the grammarian and the researcher, along with the dissertation desperado, he got that research also. And y'all just heard how I went to go try to speak with Dr. Grammarian, and he was flustered, dropping papers, talking quick, scratching his head, pacing the floor, getting upset when somebody was speaking to him. And we're in a meeting now, the chair and the members of the cohort. The chair set this meeting up because he wanted to discuss where we were in our research and how things were just going on overall. He just wanted an update. I provided minimal information, minimal information, but the two women who were privileged to have the grammarian and the researcher on their committee, they were going through it. They were bewildered, panicked, on edge, nearly in tears. They were looking like the grammarian, flustered, talking quick, dropping stuff, pacing the floor, upset. 
on edge. They were really going through. And they were talking about how the grammarian spoke to them one time and hadn't talked to them since. And then they said that the researcher told them, all three of them, because they all had the researcher, the DT squad. The researcher told all three of them, yeah, I'm going on vacation. And (laughs) when I get back, I mean, I'll get to you. I have things to do. Yeah, I'll get back with you. And they were sharing how they hadn't heard anything from this man. And they were disappointed because no one shared the same enthusiasm that they had when they went to acquire this thing, these people, the very things that they chased. They didn't realize that what they ran after came with a cost. It was something on the very thing that they were chasing that they were not ready for. They weren't ready to wear what those people had to offer. And I see why they were sad. Because they did all of this chasing and plotting, getting things the wrong way. And then they got what they wanted. Now they had to sit in it. And for those who don't know, Whenever a person is working on a dissertation and they have a chair and committee members, that student cannot move forward until they are approved by all members on the committee. So if somebody's going on vacation, if somebody dips out, if somebody just stops, If somebody's going through a family emergency, they have to wait. They have to sit there. And as they sit there, that comes with who you chose. It affects you. It impacts that person. And I believe they eventually had to request the DDT group. They had to request that one or both of them, the grammarian and the researcher on the committee, They had to be removed. They had to get permission to get them removed if they can get some other individuals to serve as their committee members because they were going through so many challenges. That's why we have to be mindful of what we are chasing, and I believe a lot of you can relate with this. You probably were not working on a dissertation. You were probably working on a decent relationship, decency in your finances, decency in your opportunities. And let's say that somebody ran and chased after the wrong thing, wrong person, wrong opportunity, the wrong thought, the wrong food, and it came with the cost. When one finds out that they were chasing something that wasn't what they thought it would be, that is so hurtful. It's hurtful, especially when they think back on what they passed up to chase. When they look at what they were chasing and everything that came with that, and then they bypassed what they needed and what they really desired, That could be so hurtful. 
Now, when I heard about the grammarian and what the students in the cohort were going through, I was surprised, but I wasn't surprised on the way the grammarian was acting towards them because I witnessed that and went through it in five minutes when I spoke to him. That was clear. That was a clear indication that that was something and someone I did not want to be affiliated with because he was letting me know just in those five minutes that I was bothering him. He was busy. He wasn't trying to get into any other obligations if he didn't have to. And when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> let me get out of here. And I walked off. And it was a relief for me. So I got to see it. And the Lord allowed me to see it. In a sense, he was letting me see, you thought you was missing out on something, but you weren't missing out on anything. You lack no good thing. But when I heard that the researcher just did not care, he wasn't being disrespectful, I don't believe, but he just could care less about their priorities and their paper. And I was thinking, thank you, Lord, that you slapped that away from me and you allowed me to watch it play out. God allowed me to watch it play out to the point where I could See God protecting me from that. It was rejection, but it was redirection and protection. And I wasn't delayed in graduation like they were. And there were so many hurdles that they had to climb over because of what they were chasing, what they were trying to run up to. When rejection pops up, when discouragement pops up, and people do these treacherous things to you no matter where they do them and no matter where you are in life. The weapons will form. People will be forming weapons to attack you, to disrespect you in the attempt to just get you out, cut you off, dismiss you. But let it play out. Let it play out. And it's in the playing out where you will see how God is indeed working everything, all things, all things together for your good. And three scriptures that I would like to leave you with include Galatians, the sixth chapter and the seventh verse. Proverbs, the 26th chapter and the 27th verse, and Isaiah, the 54th chapter and the 17th verse. I went over these in this podcast, but I want to go over them and leave you with them one more time. So Galatians, the 6th chapter and the 7th verse states, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. Proverbs, the 26th chapter and the 27th verse states, Whoever digs a pit will fall into it. If someone rolls a stone, it will roll back on them. In Isaiah, the 54th chapter and the 17th verse states, No weapon formed against you shall prosper, and you will refute every tongue that rises against you 
in judgment. Ponder on those promises from God and remain encouraged. Okay. Thank you all for tuning in. Visit drkenitrabryant.com to download God, Me, and the Dissertation, a 38-day devotional. On the site, you can order inspirational apparel, and you have the option to connect with me on Instagram at Aim Towards the Target and at college underscore success tips. I have a few Bible plans on the YouVersion Bible app that you can check out. Enjoy the remainder of your day. Let it play out. Trust God to work everything together for your good. Peace and God bless.